I'm Frau Kagalia, and this is An Aromatic Life. Today I want to talk to you about something that you probably haven't thought about much, yet it influences you every day. It shapes how you perceive the world around you and how you respond to it. I want to talk to you about why smelling is so personal. I want to explore why it is that when two people smell the exact same odor, they can have such different responses to it. Why is that? Why don't we all perceive, for example, cow manure is bad and roses is good? In fact, you or someone you know might like the smell of cow manure and maybe can't stand the smell of roses. The truth is that we perceive odors and respond to them based on our own personal experience with that odor. That's what I want to explore today. So let's get started. Enjoy the episode. So I used to do in-person aromatherapy workshops before COVID when we can all be in a room together. The good old days, you know. And one of the essential oils that I'd use in the workshop was lavender essential oil. You might not believe it, but it was a very polarizing smell. There were always a couple of people in the group who couldn't stand the smell of natural lavender. And my theory for that was that here in the U.S., we have a really distorted sense of what lavender really smells like. I mean, the smell of what eyes and aromatherapists would call a true lavender, distilled directly from the plant. You see, most, if not all, of the laundry detergents, shampoos, the soaps, our cleaning products, everything on the market that's labeled as lavender is made with lavender fragrance and not with pure lavender essential oil. And the lavender fragrance might have some natural lavender in it, but it's a synthetic composition, more or less. I'm not going to debate the benefits of natural versus synthetic in this episode, but I really just want to point out that those are two very distinct and different smells. The smell of true lavender essential oil is much more herbaceous. It's more rich and complex than the lavender fragrance you find in your laundry detergent. So getting back to my workshops, what I think was happening with these reactions from some of the people in my workshop was that either they'd never ever smelled lavender before, so it was a completely new smell to them, and it made their brain respond, danger, look out, that's new, wait, that's so different. Or what's more likely, because let's be honest, there's so much lavender on the market today, most people have an impression of lavender, that No, what I think was more likely was that they'd gotten so used to the smell of products labeled lavender shampoo, lavender cleaning spray, lavender detergent, that when they smelled actual natural lavender essential oil in my workshop, they perceived that smell as really harsh, which made them go, ew, and made their head turn away in disgust. I bring this up as an example to show you that even a scent like lavender, which pretty much all of us have an association with, is not universally loved. You can't assume everyone's gonna like the smell of lavender essential oil. So why is that exactly? Why don't we all like the same smells? Well, the short answer is because no two people have had the same life experience, not even siblings. You see, we each develop our own unique preference for smells as we go through life. I like to say that we each have our own personal smell journey. And that journey begins in the womb and continues up until today. When you react to some smell, good or bad, I mean, I think about how quickly we respond. It's amazing. It's so instantaneous. 
and so subconscious. But when we react, it's based on all of our life experiences. I'm talking about everything you've ever experienced in life as a fetus, as a baby, as a teenager, as a new parent, all of it, right up until this very moment. By the way, did you notice how I just said fetus? Yep. Your smell journey starts from the moment you were an embryo in your mother's belly. From that moment you were conceived up until this very day, every odor molecule that's passed through your nose and mouth has influenced what you like and don't like. All right, so let's explore how we develop odor preferences, how we come to love certain smells and despise others. To understand this, you need to know how our sense of smell shapes itself. First of all, as far as we know, every one of us starts smelling with a clean slate. We're not genetically predisposed to like one smell or another. So the smells that your mom or dad might like, you might not care for at all, and vice versa. Liking and not liking smells isn't genetic. To put it another way, it's not nature, but more nurture. So let's look at how our sense of smell shapes itself. It all starts in the womb. Your sense of smell starts to develop as early as six to seven weeks into the mother's pregnancy. At this point, the embryo starts to develop olfactory neurons, which are the nerve cells that help to process odors in the brain. That's where the chemicals from the outside get translated to the electrical so they can communicate with the brain. Remember, smelling is in the brain. Then just a few weeks later, the fetus develops nasal cavities, which means you start to have the foundation of a nose. And then soon after that, a connection is made between what the fetus inhales through the nostrils and what she tastes in her mouth. What's really fascinating is that around weeks seven to 10, so around the two month mark, the fetus can actually react to chemical stimuli like the freshness of mint or the spiciness of pepper. So if the mother is, let's say, eating something seasoned with pepper or she's drinking peppermint tea, that can be sensed by the fetus through the amniotic fluid. Remember, this is the first two months. Okay, so then in the third month, the olfactory smell receptors start to form. These receptors are what will later identify odors in the outside world. So they capture the odor molecules up into the nose. And then in months four and five, these olfactory receptors are connected with the olfactory bulb in the brain. And what this connection does is it creates the smell gateway from the outside world to the brain. So that's months four and five. By the sixth month, the fetus is ready to detect odors. Of course, to be clear, there's been no research done on fetuses in the womb, but there has been some research on preterm infants that suggests the fetus is able to smell throughout the third trimester and maybe even earlier. So, now you know that your mother was the first influence on what smells you prefer. Simply based on what she was eating and drinking, that started shaping odor recognition in your brain. When you experienced it, you became familiar with it, and your brain registered it. Okay, so now the baby, let's say that's you, now you're born. Well, research has shown that a newborn can recognize its mother within three hours of being born. It's a special bond that only mother and child are able to have. Not dad, not grandma or grandpa. It's all because of smells. 
You see, the amniotic fluid that the baby's been living in for nine months, that fluid contains chemical components of both the baby and the mother. And so the mother has a really strong smell of amniotic fluid on her skin when she's just given birth. And newborns love the smell of the amniotic fluid. It's so familiar to them. That's why doctors always want to place a just-born baby on the mother's chest so that mother-child bond is solidified. It's the first familiar smell you experience outside of the womb. So now you're taking in outside odors in the real world. Mind you, if your mother's breastfeeding you, you're still taking in odor molecules influenced by what your mother eats. That's because it's coming through the flavor of the breast milk. But I want to talk about the odors that you're now experiencing through your surroundings. When you're new to this world, you're taking in all kinds of different smells from your environment. Your nose is super busy sensing the world through smell. And that means your brain is busy trying to map these smells into your memory bank. Odor after odor is mapped. The smell of a room, the smell of a dad, the smell of the food you're eating, the smell of the backyard or the house you lived in as a kid. Day after day, month after month, year after year, your nose provides the brain with sensory information about your surroundings. Your brain is clever, of course. Once it's mapped an odor, it doesn't bother to map it again. The odor is already stored in your memory bank. In a separate episode, I'll go deeper into scent memories. So suffice it to say, for this discussion, just know that scent memory is entirely personal and subjective, based on the experiences you've had. And the first 10 years are when the most scent memories are created. It makes sense, right? I mean, everything is new when you first arrive onto the world stage. You're taking it all in. Most odors that you smell every day in your usual surroundings will get mapped, and you won't react to them because they become part of your everyday smellscape. It's just what you know. All right, so here you are, moving through life, smelling away, taking it all in. You've got quite a few years of life behind you now. Let's say you're in your teens, your 20s, or your 30s. You're still smelling everything around you. But why are you responding to certain odors, positively or negatively? Why are you doing that? Why do they stick out? Well, you're responding to odors through something called odor-associative learning. What does that mean, right? (laughs) You can go through life, certain odors will become attached to a particular experience. A place, a situation, a person, maybe even an event. The context in which you experience the odor, how you perceive it, and most importantly, the emotional value you put on that odor, determines how much you like or dislike the odor. It's like when you put your hand on a hot stove the first time, and you go, ow, that hurts. And after that, you associate a hot stove with pain. Well, the same thing happens with odors. The first time you smell something, it's mapped through association. So let me give you a more concrete example. Let's say you're on vacation and you smell beach grass at the sea. It's a pretty common but distinct smell when you're near the sea. There's a lot of beach grass around and the smell is kind of a combination of the grass, the air, and the sand all hitting your nose together. So here you are sitting by the sea and subconsciously your brain is busy searching its memory bank and trying to attach the experience of smelling this beach grass to the knowledge it already has. It's going, have I experienced this before? Yes? No? 
If it's a new odor that you've never experienced before, because maybe it's your first time to this vacation spot or to the sea where they have beach grass, if it's strong enough, you're going to notice the smell because your brain has never smelled it before. And your brain will store the information for future retrieval. Let's assume you had a wonderful experience at the sea on vacation. And so you're associating the beach grass smell as very positive. It's associated with your vacation, right? Once it's a familiar odor that your brain recognizes, you'll respond to the scent either positively or negatively, depending on the experience you had the first time you smelled that odor. Again, for the sake of argument, I'm assuming it was a positive odor because you were on vacation with your family. So really with this example, I'm trying to show you as you're going through life and smelling things, you're attaching odors to experiences. And because you're experiencing the world differently from anyone else, every odor will carry an emotional memory that's unique to you. The odors that can be in the context of a shared experience, so your whole family is on the same vacation and you're able to smell the beach grass, all of you are, but the experience of how you smell the beach grass is still unique to you. It's unique to your mind interpreting the experience. It's your own perception of that smell. Let's talk about all the different things that influence your odor preferences. There are a number of factors involved, actually. For instance, age. How much life odor experience have you had? Depending on how long you've been on your smell journey, that'll determine how you respond to smells. I think about my teenage boys. Sometimes they'll call out a smell that seems really odd to them, like, I don't know, like peppermint tea. So I've started drinking more peppermint tea these days, and my son will say, oh, mom, what are you drinking? And then giving me a really disgusted look. He's not tasting it, mind you. He's just smelling it. But that scent isn't familiar to him. He doesn't chew a lot of gum. He doesn't eat foods with mint in them. He doesn't even want any green bits in his food. It's that familiar to anyone else out there. Um, whereas for me, the smell of peppermint is soothing. It reminds me of spending time with my grandmother where every evening she would have a cup of peppermint tea. I think if I drink peppermint tea often enough, with time, my son will become more familiar with the smell and he'll start to associate it with me. And I'm hoping, I'm assuming, he'll start to make a positive association with peppermint. So that's age, how much odor experience you've had. But then there's also location, where you were born and where you've lived throughout your life, where you've been experiencing odors. So let's say a person who was born and raised in Minnesota and has always stayed there, they're going to have a very different smell journey to someone who's moved around a lot throughout their life. Say a person who moved from the U.S. to Japan and then to Argentina. That person's smell journey will be mapped quite differently. So that's location, where you've smelled things in your life. Then there's also cultural context of smells, meaning what one culture finds acceptable may not be acceptable to another culture. So take, for example, the U.S. and Britain and the smell of wintergreen mint. It turns out that Americans love the smell of wintergreen mint. And the Brits, they can't stand the smell. Why is that? Well, in Britain, the scent of wintergreen is used in various medications, so it has a really negative association that's connected to illness and medicine. Whereas in the U.S., it's associated with candy and gum, 
So positive associations of sweetness. So that's cultural context, what your culture finds acceptable. And of course, there's memory associations, the link you have to an odor you've experienced in the past. Scent memories are vivid, they're emotional, and they give you a real visceral response when you smell an odor that takes you back in time. Again, scent memories, that's a deeper topic that I'll get into in another episode. But it gets even more personal than that. There are even more factors that determine whether you like a scent or not. There's the factor of your mood at the time of smelling the odor. Were you happy, sad, tired, grouchy? Your emotional state influences how you perceive the odor. Then there's the factor of how the odor came to you. Was it through the nose or was it by way of eating? There's the factor of the circumstances in which the odor came to you. Was it sudden? Was it progressively approaching you over time? Was the room dark or light? Was the space warm? Was it cold? And then there's one of my favorite factors, the expectations or thoughts about the odor. Maybe you've smelled something that you thought was one thing and it turned out to be something completely different. Or you were told something was supposed to smell one way and to you it actually smelled completely different. So needless to say, smelling is personal. It's not a one-size-fits-all experience. And each of us is on our own smell journey throughout our life. So did this episode make you think a little bit? Let's take a minute to reflect and see how we can apply what you've learned today. There's a couple of things I want to mention. I guess the first thing I would say is, if you're buying a scented product or you're choosing your scent, whether it's a candle, a perfume, whatever it may be, choose based on how you respond to the scent, not based on what someone else says. You know, I tell my aromatherapy students all the time, look, even though a lavender essential oil might in fact help a lot of people relax, I mean, there's all kinds of scientific studies now being done with lavender essential oil, and they show the chemical properties of lavender help people relax. But if you don't have a positive association to the smell of lavender, if somewhere through your smell journey, you came across lavender and it was a bad experience, well, you're not going to feel relaxed by lavender. It's that simple. Your brain is connected with your body. So if the brain says bad, your body responds in kind. You won't relax. And the second thing I would say is try being a little mindful of why you react to odors the way you do. Try reflecting on your scent journey. Think about where you've lived, the cultures you've been exposed to, the memorable moments you've had where a smell was so vividly attached to it. Maybe compare your scent journey to that of your parents or your brothers and sisters. How about your partner or your children? Notice how each of us has very nuanced life experiences that have been shaped by smells. I'll leave you with one final thought. Your sense of smell is incredibly powerful. It can act as a personal journal of sorts. You know, just like you have a notebook journal you might write in, it's recording all the experiences you're having throughout your life, both positive and negative. And most importantly, it's capturing the emotion of the experiences. Use your sense of smell actively, mindfully, every day. And remember to smell everything.
Thank you for joining me on An Aromatic Life. If you're interested in learning more about your sense of smell from all different perspectives, subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends too. And it would be really helpful if you could rate the podcast so it helps others find it too. I also invite you to check out my website, falkaromatherapy.com, where you'll find information about workshops, courses, and other programs I offer. And make sure you grab my free audio training, How to Smell to Be Well, which you can download from my website. Until next time, remember to smell everything and have a wonderful day.